coated worship. Amen. Sugar coated worship. Amen. Why y'all say hello? <laughs> Amen. Sugar coated worship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And after just the move of uh, just after the move of, of God on last Sunday, amen, um, I say, God, just have your way. Just continue to have me speak on, preach on, teach on whatever it is that you have for your people. And I believe that he has us in a place of, of two things. The first is learning how to worship for real. Amen. And then the second, the second thing is that I'm noticing God wants, he wants people to want to be discipled. And the word disciple don't mean nothing but taught. We are, we are in a season of learning. Amen. But regardless of how good of a teacher you have, you can't be taught if you don't want to be taught. Amen. You got to show up to go to school to, to actually earn a degree. Right, you got to want to be taught. And he has us in that season. He's trying to teach us how to live holy. He's trying to teach us how to worship in the spirit of truth. And so on last Sunday, God told us what it means or what it means to offer up praise, what it means to present yourself as a living sacrifice, what it means to actually worship. And so I'm going to Leviticus chapter 2, but I'm also going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 on this Sunday. And, and, and I, this word is so good to me. I'm, I'm going to be moving fast. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the responsibility on y'all to go back and read these chapters on your own. Because I'm going to be moving. I can't yeah, We'd be here all day if I, if I preached on everything that I studied to get this message. Amen. But it was, it was so good to me as I began to see how God was connecting all of these pieces. I also encourage you to go back and listen to Little Shepherd Boy. Because when God does something, when he has you in a season or when he when you in the middle of a move of God, it, it's so many puzzle pieces that he's connecting together to, to paint this bigger picture out. And he's been doing that with us. And I pray that y'all catching on and see, see, that's why it's important why you got to stay connected because you might be missing that one piece that's hindering you from getting your breakthrough. So in Leviticus 2, God starts to describe grain offerings. He starts to describe grain offerings. So in Leviticus chapter 1, he presented, you know, how you bring a, a, a burnt offering, a bull, a lamb, a sheep, a bird. But in Leviticus 2, God tells the people how to bring a grain offering. And there were three different types of grain offerings, uncooked wheat, cooked wheat, and natural barley. But the verses that I'm really going to preach on this Sunday pertain to verses 11 through 13. These provide special instructions for offerings with the use of leaven, honey, and salt. In these verses, and y'all can stay seated, these verses, 11 through 13 reads, this is good news translation, but King James 
should be on the board. It says, none of these grain offerings which you present to the Lord may be made with yeast. You must never use yeast or honey in food offered to the Lord. An offering of the first grain that you harvest each year shall be brought to the Lord, but it is not to be burned on the altar. Put salt on every grain offering because salt represents the covenant between you and God. You must put salt on all your offerings. So as the chapter goes on, it tells the steps for preparing a grain offering, and there are three steps. There is preparation, presentation, and then the burning of the offering, turning it to smoke. So go back and listen to the sermon for last Sunday if you weren't here, and you'll understand what it means for the offering to go up in smoke. Preparation, presentation, and then they would turn the offering. They would burn the offering on the altar, and it would turn into smoke. The donor, whoever's bringing the offering, completes the first two steps, and then the priest would complete the, complete the last step. These cereal offerings could be offered independently, because if you couldn't afford a bull, a lamb, a sheep, a goat, or even a bird, God say it doesn't matter. Just bring grain. So you could present this. You could present this grain offering independently, or you could present it in addition to what you've already brought. The grain offerings were another option for the poor, and they were also a gift and honor, right? And it was it wasn't the grain. It wasn't the grain that made these types of offering uh, the most valuable. It was what was mixed in the grain. It was frankincense and oil. The oil was valuable because it took time to press it. You couldn't just go to Publix and buy oil. You had to actually press the oil and include it in your offering. So it was labor intensive. Imagine how many olives you got to press to get the oil that we have now. That a machine does it. But it was the fact that the oil had to be pressed. You had to put some work into what you were offering. So even if you can't afford a bull or a lamb or a sheep or a goat, you could present your grain, but it was going to be some labor-intensive work behind it. And then you also had to include frankincense. And this was difficult because frankincense was hard to find. Y'all go on Amazon and try to buy some frankincense. You're going to spend a little change. Right? This type of offering was associated with asking God to remember to provide for you on a daily basis. It's kind of like connected. It, it kind of speaks to that whole idea of manna. God providing that daily bread. After the priest would burn a portion of this offering, they would keep a portion for themselves. This was to sustain them. This was one of their main sources of income. So I got to give y'all all the background, but now I'm getting into the main part of the sermon. But the main part of this sermon, sugar-coated worship, has to deal with the leaven, the honey, and the salt. Both leaven, which is yeast, and honey, which is sugar, when you think about it, were associated with fermentation. If you don't know what fermentation is, that is the process of taking in fruit or grain and turning it into wine or alcohol. So to include yeast or sugar 
with your offering. Right? Meant that you were including ingredients that were synonymous with corruption, decay, and death. The priests were responsible for making sure that there was no yeast. There was no sugar mixed in with your offering. The only thing that had to be included was the salt. So when you get to the New Testament and scripture starts talking about you are the salt of the earth. Salt is a cleaner. Salt is a preservative. Salt is a keeper. In a time when there was no refrigeration, salt was so valuable because it was a keeping agent. Right? And so in my study in the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be the main part of the sermon, the Holy Spirit brought uh, two different worship situations to my mind. Right? And the main part of this message is I want y'all to understand just like God spoke last Sunday all worship is not real worship. And most of the words worship that we are, that we experience today is sugar-coated. Most of the worship that we see on social media, we see on YouTube, we see in churches right here in this city is sugar-coated worship. It contains leaven. It contains honey. Right? What you mean it contains leaven, Pastor? It contains pride. For when you think about yeast, it makes it makes things rise. It makes things rise. Think about the bread that we eat, all of it, the calories. Right? So when I say the worship that a lot of churches have today contains leaven, right? It's puffed up pride for worship. It's arrogant preachers. It's selfish congregation. It's puffed up. It's filling for the moment, but the calories are empty. And most of these services contain sugar. That's self-explanatory. Sweet to the taste. Sweet to the taste. Easy on the ears, but no nutritional value. No, no nutritional values. Words that that that, you, that sound good. But do not fill up, do not edify. And the worst part of it is when you when you combine the leaven and the honey, right? You get this fermentation. You get this wine. You get this drunken type of worship. You get this drunken type of, of, of spirituality. You get this drunken type of church. Right When you combine leaven and sugar together and you include it in your worship, it, could, it leads to drunkenness, which leads to reckless living. You got all of these people who think that they are worshiping, but they are empty on the inside. Empty on the inside. Right? Living any kind of way and too drunk to realize it. Too drunk to realize it. It's the type of drunkenness described in Deuteronomy. So I'll tell y'all, y'all got some studying to do. When you read Deuteronomy 28, you see the blessings and the curses, right? That Moses presented before the people. If you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you do this, you're going to be cursed. So when we get to Deuteronomy 29 and 19, Moses said it's going to be some people who hear these curses, but this is, this is the 19th verse is their response to the curse. 
It says, it shall come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he will bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart to add drunkenness to thirst. It's going to be some people who even when you tell them that they are in error, they are so drunk with pride. They are so drunk with thinking that they know what's best. That they don't even realize they cursed. And that part when it says to add drunkenness to thirst. How many people in here, if you were thirsty, if you were dying of thirst, alcohol is going to be the first thing you reach for. <laughs> Go out there in this hundred degree heat <laughs> and drink it. Right? That's what Moses is saying it's going to be like. You thirsty for living water, right? And all these churches are offering you is this, this, this fermentated, leaven-filled, sweet-tasting wine that can't supply you with what you need to live is sugar-coated worship. Real worship. Real worship will have you drunk in the spirit without being, without drinking wine. Real worship will have you drunk in the spirit without drinking wine. You know, people all the time, and I know some people all the time, why y'all don't drink? Jesus turned water into wine. And I see, I'm at the point now, see, that used to bother me when I first got saved. Now, I don't argue with people. I just say, you know what? You're right. He did turn water into wine. When Jesus made the wine, I drank it. So bring me some wine that Jesus made, and I drank it. If you can't bring me no wine, if you can't bring me some water that was turned into wine by Jesus, y'all can keep it. Y'all can keep it. I drank the wine he made. Real worship. We'll have you drunk in the spirit. Two narratives, two stories from the same book. I've read this many times, but I've never paid attention to the contrast in the story. And I believe that this is the perfect example of God trying to show us what real worship looks like versus fake worship. The first narrative. It's 1 Samuel, and I'm going to, the first chapter, and I'm going to start with just verses 14 through 18. And this is the story of Hannah. And it reads, this 14th verse reads, it says, And Eli said to her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. God told us last Sunday what real worship looks like. When you're really worshiping, right, you present your whole self. You present all of you. You pour out yourself like Hannah poured out, right? And see, when you pour out, when you say, I'm all in for you, Jesus, people think you're drunk. People think you're crazy. 
People think you lost your mind, right? So that, 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 that tells something. Number one, people not used to seeing people go all out for God. When you go all out for God, they say, something wrong with her. She must be drunk. You're not used to seeing that. She say, no, my Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit, and I have poured out everything that's in me. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not my handmaid as a daughter of Belial. Like, I'm not, the, the devil didn't send me, right? For out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken here too. She said, it seemed like I drunk because I'm, I'm pouring everything out. But if you knew what I've been through, you if you knew what I've been through, you wouldn't think that I'm just out here playing. You wouldn't think that I'm out here drunk. You, you wouldn't think that there's something is wrong with me. If you knew what I've been through, you would understand why I give my all. So then the 17th verse, 17 means victory. The word says, then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. When you pour yourself out, when you are unashamed to praise, when you are unashamed to praise, that 17th verse, I say that's victory because he gave her the blessing. Keep on doing what you're doing. When you pour yourself out, it opens the door. It opens the door for God to hear your petition. And she said, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. If you read the verses before that, you will realize that Hannah had stopped eating. She was so grieved about her situation, right? She was so grieved about her situation that food... Bread, leaven, sugar, cookies, cakes, none of that. I don't want none of that no more. Right? I like I don't want I don't want I want new wine. It's just like Daniel. They turned down the king. Like, I don't I don't want that stuff. That stuff not gonna fix me. See, when you get to a certain place and you want God for real, that old stuff won't satisfy you no more. You'll just turn it down. You want new, you want new, new wine. I hope y'all understand what God is saying. You want something new. So it wasn't until she poured herself out. God heard her petition. Then the word says she was sad no more and then she went to eat. That's what the scripture means when it says God can't put new wine in the old bottle. You got to pour out everything that used to be you. You got to pour out all of the old ways. You got to pour out everything that used to be you if you want to get filled up with something new. Too much, too many of us are filled with sugar-coated worship. You got to pour all of that out to get filled with a new type of worship. So if you know the story, Hannah was grieving because she wanted to have a child and she couldn't. But after this day, the word says that she went home and conceived a son named Samuel. And because she poured out herself, she didn't get tricky and switch up on God after God blessed her. When she poured herself out, she said, God, take everything that I that I have. 
So then when God gave her what she wanted, she didn't switch up and say, God, take everything that I have except the son that you just gave me. She said, you know what? I got to honor what I said. You can have my son as well. That's real worship. When you praise him, when you sing him, you mean what you say. You, the, the songs you sing, you mean what you sing. When you say, my hands are lifted up, my heart is ready to receive. When you say, break me, shake me, mold me, hold me, whatever song you singing, you mean what you say. When you say, God, come into my life, forgive me for everything wrong I said. All those things, when you say those things, when you say, I'm so lied to you, you mean what you say. You don't switch up. When you get what you want. So this son Samuel. Goes back. To serve the Lord. Under Eli. The priest. Now scripture tells us that Eli. Had two sons of his own. So when we get to the second chapter. I'm going to verses 12 through 18. We see. What sugar-coated worship looks like. It's, it's, it's amazing how two, three, four children can be raised in the same household. And one or two receive a word and the other two kind of just like, what y'all doing? Same teacher. The same man that is going to Teach Samuel how to hear the voice of the Lord when he calls. It's the same man that raised these other two sons. So was the teaching different? Right? Did, did he give Samuel something different than he gave his own to? No. The only difference was Samuel received the word. His sons didn't. Don't let that be you. Don't sit in the room, receive the same word as everyone else, and see God do wonderful things, miraculous things. And you get passed by because you don't want to receive. Let me get to it. Lord, I thank you. The 12th verse says the sons of Eli were scoundrels. It's good news. They paid no attention to the Lord or to the regulations concerning what the priest could demand from the people. Instead, when someone was offering the sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three-pronged fork while the meat was still cooking. He would stick the fork in the cooking pot, and whatever the fork brought out belonged to the priests. All the Israelites who came to Shiloh to offer sacrifices were treated like this. These men were so wicked that the people could not even offer their stuff good. They couldn't even offer their worship good before the priest would try to take it for himself. That's why I spent that time reading to y'all last Sunday in this beginning part. So I was walking you through the steps, right? I was walking you through how the first step belonged to the people. They had to prepare the offering present the offering, and then the priest would take over. Well, these men wouldn't even get to the part where they would take over. They would take your stuff for themselves before the people could even present it. And that's what a lot of these churches are doing. 
before you can even, before they even teach you how to worship, before they even walk with you, before they even love on you, before they even spend time with you, before they even pray with you, they already passing the basket. They already trying to figure out how they can use you. They already trying to figure out how they can get something from you. Right? Priests, ministers, pastors are not supposed to take from the people to live. They're supposed to get whatever's left over from the people after the people have given it. The only person that's supposed to take something off the top is God. Right? The only person that's supposed to take something off of the top is God. Right? And if you would consider, if you would consider, if everybody is offering praise and worship like they're supposed to, if I, even if I don't take it off the top, it's going to be more than enough left over for me if everybody doing what they're supposed to do. So why would I have to take it off the top? These men would stick their fork in the pot and take something for them before we even finish cooking. Shall a man rob God? No. No. In addition, even before the fat was taken off and burned, the priest servants would come and say to one another, would say to the one offering the sacrifice, Give me some meat for the priest to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw meat. And, and, and I, I love messages like this because I like to make it plain. So you know how some of y'all can't, I'm talking to y'all about all y'all about members, but you know how some people can't even get to their pastor. They pastor got a representative. And the representative tell you what to do before you even get to the pastor. I'm telling you what's in the word. So it, it was so bad that it wasn't even the priest taking their stuff. The priest would send a representative and say, go on and give me this because they're not going to even see you unless you give me something off the top. All this that is going around now is sugar-coated worship. The people would answer. If the person answered, let us do what is right and burn the fat first, then take what you want. The priest servants will say, no, give it to me now. If you don't, I will have to take it by force. That's why so many people walk around here church hurt. I told y'all last Sunday, I don't need your money. Lord, I thank you. This is the sin of the sons of Eli. And it was extremely serious in the Lord's sight because they treated the offerings to the Lord with such disrespect. Then in the 18th verse says, in the meantime, the boy Samuel continued to serve the Lord, wearing a sacred linen apron. In the meantime, in the meantime, in the meantime, while these people walk around with this sugar-coated worship, in the meantime, there is a child somewhere. There's a Jaden somewhere. There's a Tay somewhere. There's an Ethan somewhere. There's an Ellie somewhere. There's a baby that ain't even born somewhere that is continuing. To serve the Lord that's going to take your place. And that's why I say go back and listen to Little Shepherd Boy. Because this Samuel, he a bad boy. 
He's going to grow up and he's going to do everything that Saul failed to do. When Saul failed to obey, it was Samuel who came in and killed everything. It was Samuel who did all of that stuff. It was this little boy that Hannah prayed for, that Hannah poured out herself for. You want your children to be successful? You can't save them. You better pour yourself out on the altar. You want your children to y'all, some of y'all hold y'all children up in mess. And as I go through this, I want you to understand what happens when you hold your children up in mess. You think you're saving them, you're going to lose them. You're going to lose them. You're going to lose them. When we get to 22, the word says, now Eli was very old. That means time has passed. That means he's allowed these boys to be wicked for I don't know how many years, right? The word says he kept hearing. It didn't say nobody told him one time. It didn't say somebody mentioned it to him. It say he kept hearing about everything his sons were doing to the Israelites and that they were even sleeping with the women who worked at the entrance to the tent of the Lord's presence. So he said to them, why are you doing these things? Tell me about the evil that you're doing. Stop it, my sons. This is an awful thing the people that the Lord are talking about. If anyone sins against someone else, God can defend the one who is wrong. But who can defend someone who sins against the Lord? But they would not listen to their father. For the Lord had decided to kill them. What, pastor? Eli did what's right. He told his sons to stop it. You got to read your word. Because he shouldn't see like we you you think because you keep talking to folks because you keep telling them don't do that don't do that don't do that stop it you know better you was raised right you think that's enough no you got to if you didn't read the word he was either supposed to sit them down or kill them that's what the law demanded so when I say y'all hold y'all children up in mess sometimes you got to cut them off right. I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to allow you to do what you want to do. Go, go, right? If you don't want to follow the rules of my house, go get your own house. If you don't want to follow the rules with the things I've given you, with the phone I've given you, the car that I've given you, the food that I've given you, you don't want to do right with the things that I've given you, go get your own stuff. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what the word demands, not stopping. Stop it. You bad. Stop it. You know better. Stop it. And then you go buy them some Jordans. Then you go let them go on a trip. Then you go do whatever they ask you to do. But because you said stop it. When the Lord has already made up his mind, that sin does not sit well with me. And I'm going to deal with it because you failed to. You got to understand that. God is going to deal with whatever you fail to deal with. Because unlike us, he's not wishy-washy. Unlike us, he's righteous and just. Unlike us, he don't play around with sin. He's going to have grace and mercy for long enough, and he's done it. Because Eli very old. I done let you live your whole life. I done let your, your sons grow up, and they done messed over a lot of people. They done, they done messed up a lot of worship. 
They done messed up a lot of praise. They done turned a lot of people away from the Lord. How many lives did these two men ruin? Because Eli would not check his children. How many churches around here messing up people? And it ain't nobody to check them. See, some of y'all feelings get hurt when pastor check you or preach a message like this. But I'm preaching a message like this to save you. Because you would rather me check you. Because I ain't going to kill you. I ain't trying to go to jail. <laughs> but God, when he get hope to you, when he gets hope to you, he don't play around with sugar-coated worship. He want the real deal. Lord, I thank you. The word said they would not listen to their father. The boy Samuel continued to grow and gain favor both with the Lord and with people. A prophet came to Eli with this message from the Lord. When your ancestor Aaron and his family were slaves of the king of Egypt, I revealed myself to Aaron. From all the tribes of Israel, I chose his family to be my priests to serve at the altar, to burn incense, to wear the ephod, to consult me. And I gave them the right to keep a share of what the sacrifice, of the sacrifices burned on the altar. Y'all consider that. Consider what God is saying. He's saying as a minister, he says, I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a piece of what's dedicated to me. Y'all understand that? The best. The first fruits, the best. God gets the best. God gets his, the cream off the top. And if you live right, God is he's so gracious as he'll share with you what belongs to him. That's favor. When people talk about favor, y'all ain't got no real favor. When we're talking about favor, good to me. Good to me. He says, right, I gave you the right to keep a share of the sacrifices burned on the altar. Why then do you look with greed at the sacrifices and the offerings which I require from my people? Why, Eli, do you honor your sons more than me? Yeah. Why do you honor your sons more than me? By letting them fatten themselves on the best parts of all the sacrifices my people offer to me. I, the Lord God of Israel, promised in the past that your family and your clan would serve me as priests for all time. But now I say I won't have it any longer. Instead, I will honor those who honor me. And I will treat with contempt those who despise me. Listen, the time is coming when I will kill all the young men in your family, in your clan, so that no man in your family will live to be old. You might be thinking that seems unfair, but again, I ask you, how many people, how many people did Eli's sons turn away from the Lord? There's blood on your hands. There's blood on your hands when you don't do what God has called you to do. 
You ain't here before a little while. You ain't here before. You know, the Bible say our life is like a vapor. You ain't here but for a little while. We talking about eternity at stake. Thirty-third verse. Yet I will keep one of your descendants alive, and he will serve me as priest. But he will become blind and lose all hope, and all your other descendants will die a violent death. You think it's better? You think it's better to check your family, to check your children, to check each other as as spouses? For your pastor to check you or to get some of this. Check me. Pastor, check me, check me. Wife, check me. If I'm out of order, check, check me. See, it's when your two sons both die on the same day. This will show you that everything I have said will come true. I will choose a priest who will be faithful to me and do everything I want him to. I will give him descendants who will always serve in the presence of my chosen king. Any of your descendants, and I'm coming in, JJ, any of your descendants who survive will have to go to the priest and ask him for money and food and beg to be allowed to help the priest in order to have something to eat. How do you go from a place from getting what belongs God? How do you go from a place where God says, I will share with you what belongs to me to having to beg others to give you the basic minimum? You get to that place because you don't worship for real. Because you don't take it serious. Because you don't want to live for the Lord. And you make a mockery of his house. That's how you get to that place. And as, as harsh as this seems, it's like God still let them hang around. They just blind and sad and begging. Right? But scripture don't lie. The scripture say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or my seed begging for bread. So it's the unrighteousness that got them begging. It's the unrighteousness that got them going without. It's the unrighteousness. It's the sugar-coated worship that has lack in our life. Because sugar-coated worship don't fill us up. It don't heal. Sugar-coated worship don't heal you like you need to be healed. It doesn't deliver you like you need to be delivered. It doesn't touch you like you need to be touched. It doesn't set free like you need the real thing. The anointing does what? Destroys yokes. That whole story is a contrast between Samuel and I want y'all to notice how how much I read about the two wicked sons. But when Samuel's mentioned, it's so light and easy. And Samuel continued to grow. And Samuel kept serving the Lord. And Samuel 
gain favor with God and men. That's how God operates. Sugar-coated worship wants to be seen. Sugar-coated worship wants everything to be videotaped. Sugar-coated worship wants followers. Sugar-coated, y'all understand? Sugar-coated worship want to be fancy. Only what you do for God can last. Real worship has you quiet and people think you're weird. And that's okay. Because when you serve the Lord, it's the word saying that you are peculiar people. You become strange. People be looking at you like, something different by them. But I close with all of those little lines about Samuel, all of that real worship, where did it start? It started with a woman who poured out herself on the altar of God. If you want power in your life, you got to pour yourself out. You got to give God your all. And through you and through your seed, God can do amazing things. Amen. 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 Y'all come on and get the Lord ahead. Y'all praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody desiring prayer on this Sunday now is the time.